Uh, well, hey, we are in the midst of a series I mentioned before uh, called Ordering the Chaos. And if you haven't been here, this has been a series where we have been talking about what does it look like to be a good steward or good manager of our lives? Because as the Apostle Paul once said that our God is a God of peace, not disorder. And if we go back to the very beginning of Scripture, we, we realize that the story of creation is God taking a bunch of chaos and creating order and beauty within his creation. And that many of us, if we're honest, we are not just barely surviving, we are definitely not thriving. We believe that Jesus uh, came into this world and that when he, he promises that we, he would give us life and life to the fullest, that he actually meant it. And so we've been trying to wrestle with this idea of what would it look like to actually take control of the things that we can in our lives, to surrender to God and have faith in the big things that are out of our control, but to stop complaining about the chaos and the stress and the frustrations of our life when there are things that we can do to actually take control of it. And we've talked about things like our desires. Last week, we talked about this idea of time. And today, we're going to talk about um, our consumption. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about it this morning, um, how every single Sunday, um, I have an iPhone, which is that's not saying it as a flex, but um, how many of you guys have a, uh, it's sort of like me, like, I got a minivan, don't want to brag, but. <laughs> but how, how many of you guys have an iPhone in every Sunday morning, you get that notification that tells you about your screen time? Anyone ever get that and notice it? Usually, it is my daily reminder, or I guess my weekly reminder, um, that I am not as good of a person as I would like to be. Because oftentimes, it'll let me know how many hours I spent, how many minutes I spent on my phone. And then it will give me the breakdown of how many minutes I was on Facebook, Instagram, ESPN, YouTube, all sorts of stuff. It lets me know how much time I spent looking up funny videos and things like that. It's usually this reminder of what I have consumed for the week. There's a time period, too, when uh, I was also uh, kind of going through a thing where um, I realized that my metabolism no longer existed. Uh, it started in my 20s, and let me just tell you, in my 30s, it has continued to be a downward plunge. Where someone did it not to, to, to create weird body image stuff, but where I started to actually look at my intake of food and my calories, and I was frustrated to realize how small little Reese's peanut butter cups can have a lot of these deadly things called calories. You know, it is interesting when we actually sit down, assess, take records of what we are consuming in our life with our, our bodies, our minds, our monies, how we begin to realize that maybe there are some issues in our lives, some things that we could shore up. Because my personality, my bent oftentimes is to uh, say, like, life's not fair. Which is true, by the way. But there are times where I want to say, I used to be a medium shirt not that long ago. This just isn't fair. And again, they are making them smaller. It's true. It's a fact. I believe this. But there are a lot of choices that I have made that have led to this. There are times at the end of the week where I didn't feel like I got enough of my work done. There's sometimes, I'll just be real, where I'm like, I didn't finish my sermon yet. And while there are times where there are things that were outside of my control that came along that prevented me from doing those things, there's lots of times when I look at the screen time, it don't lie. 
And I realized that I wasted some time. I, I didn't do the things that I should have done. There are times where I feel anxious. And then when I look back on the things that I did this week, it kind of makes sense why I may feel that way. This morning, I want to talk about this reality that what and how we consume matters. We oftentimes like to think that our life is compartmentalized in so many ways and that um, what we eat and what we do with our body and and, and what we watch and, and, and what we listen to, all of these things, how we spend our money, isn't necessarily an indication of our totality of our body, mind, and soul. And I want to push on that this morning, that I actually believe that, that we, our physical bodies, our choices, our everyday lives, like they actually, not only do they matter to God, but they matter towards how we are living life to the fullest, or maybe the lack thereof living our life to the fullest. Because I believe that God cares about our consumption because he cares about our body and our soul. He actually cares and desires for us to experience wholeness in our life and peace in our life. And I, I want to I spend time talking about three primary areas that I think God deeply cares about um, our consumption in, in what we do with our lives. And, and, and some of these, I, I feel like, might feel a little bit testy. We might feel like we're stepping on toes this morning, and I hope that's okay. I say these in deep love, and I also say these as a person who God has really not so much been like tiny stepping on my toe, but maybe like, like stomping on my foot like my toddler does sometimes. But here are the three things, body, mind, and money. Body, mind, and money. We're going to go in that order. We're going to start talking first about this idea of that God cares about our body, our physical body. Now, this is a testy place to go into, right? Because we live in a world where oftentimes we are given incredibly unhealthy, toxic, unrealistic expectations on body image and things like that. There is so much of this world that is so awful that is trying to push us towards unrealistic, unhealthy things, right? That, that, that is just a reality. It, it makes me frustrated thinking about our young people, the world that they're growing up in, the things that they think they need. But on the other end, there is this reality that I think God has given us this vessel, this body, to live the life that he's called us to, to advance the kingdom, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to be honest, I think he cares about how we are taking care of our body. I think he cares about that because his desire is not for us to suffer in this life. Now, there are so many things that happen to a person. There are so many um, um, things that are not fair in terms of people's health and well-being that they can't deal with, right? But there is a lot that is in our control. And I believe that God does care about how we take care of our body. I do think there is this stewardship piece of him looking at us saying, this is the one and only life I have given you. And the more that we can actually take care of these things and, and, and look at them, because remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then what? He created us in his image. We have been created in his image to reflect his image. And in many ways, it is sort of like we are this master piece where we must take seriously this idea of stewarding this life that we have well. Now, there are two primary places that, 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 that I think about in our world we are tempted to not steward our bodies well. And that has to do with sexuality and our physical health. Now, 
Paul had some things to say about this to the church in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says this, flee from sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality, as we kind of find throughout, in particular, the New Testament, is really sexual activity outside of the confines of a covenantal relationship between a man and a woman within marriage. So anything outside of that would be sexual immorality. And he says, flee from this. And it's important. He says this, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And this is where he goes on. And this is an important thing that has to do with sexuality. This is what has to do with, with just like our general physical health. He says this, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Now, this is so incredibly important because, again, this is not a call like, hey, everyone needs to get on like this huge exercise regimen and we're only eating broccoli for a month. I'm not doing any of those sort of things. But there's this reality that we live in a culture that oftentimes prioritizes like pleasure almost above anything else. And we deeply care about entertainment and ecstasy and just all of those feelings. And the truth is, if we go back to our conversation we had a few weeks ago about desires, you know, again, there's a reason, like we said, it's not good to go to the grocery store hungry, right? In the same way, it is not good when you're feeling a certain way, right, to be scrolling on the internet on certain places, to find yourself on certain parts of town. There are the reality that our desires will drag us away, that sometimes we feel certain humanistic feelings, which again, in the right context, are fine. But one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this this morning is because, I, I don't know about you, but I, I have failed in these, both these categories before. And there's this reality that any time that I have gone outside of God's way when it comes to these things, when I have gone for excess in things uh, that I shouldn't go in for, there's this reality that I don't feel my best. I'm not sitting there feeling like, I feel like I'm who God created me. I feel like I'm killing it. I mean, think about food. This, this is an honest thing. Last night, ordered pizza. And guess what? I, got a, I had a free pizza. And so, of course, I was worried because I have growing boys now who eat more pizza than I wish they would. I got to make sure that I can still get mine, right? <laughs> Y'all, I ate like five pieces of pizza last night. It was an awful, awful thing. You're like, yeah, we're not that surprised. But, but here's the thing, and maybe you've experienced this before, right? Like, I did not feel good afterwards. Maybe that's also just getting older. But I, I, my body literally felt bad. I felt bad about myself for doing those things. And, and ultimately, when those things are happening, guess what? I am not actually getting to clearly live out life to the fullest with Jesus. And so when I talk about these sort of things, there is this reality that we should start taking, even if they're small, subtle steps, to actually take care and steward our bodies well. To be able to live as long as God will allow us to live, to serve him in ways that maybe we didn't think we could uh, imagine for longer than we can imagine. We need to do this because, again, our God is a miracle worker, but I sometimes laugh, right? I, I, I did this again last night. There are times where, 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 I, where I sit with, with some really not healthy food. And I'm basically asking God a miracle, right? Like, Lord, can you please bless this food to the nourishment of my body? 
And there's probably times where he's looking at me like, hey, man, like I, I can do stuff, but help me help you. But I think our bodies matter. I really do think it matters. And I don't think we need to obsess over this. I don't think we need to have the, this, this view and vision of, uh, uh, of an aesthetic. I think what, we have to, what matters is just health and wellness and well-being. It's not about, you know, just like looking great. But it is about actually like feeling good. And it's not about perfection, and it's not about trying to feel guilty when it comes to sexual things, but it is this reality of like when we are actually living in God's way, it is crazy, right, that we actually feel better about life. You know, one of the things that's hard in the type of world that we live in, right, is like no one wants to feel like convicted or guilty, right? And one of the things that I found that makes it way easy to not feel those ways is to not do things that are outside of God's desire and design. Now, here's the incredible thing, right? And, and don't miss this part. Like, there is so much grace. There's so much of God redeeming and restoring even poor choices that we've made. Like, our past doesn't define our future. But there also is so much, um, so much of a, a, a push that I feel like God is calling us in a world full uh, of people kind of going other ways to have a sense of conviction and, and to make changes, to be holy, not holier than thou, but to be set apart, to be different. Because I fear oftentimes when we live in certain ways of excess and ecstasy and, and, and just gratifying whatever desires that we want, we do not look anything different than the rest of the world. And so would you know that, yes, you are not a body, you are a soul, but your body does matter, and God deeply cares about you actually experience, experiencing wholeness in your life. This is a gift that he has given us, this body. May we make choices that steward well that gift. Let's talk about our mind, because so many of these things overlap. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I don't know if you guys ever feel this way, but there's this reality that the activities that I engage in the foods, the, the drinks that I have, these things affect my mind. I'm a huge coffee lover. Um, many of you guys know this. It is why uh, it feels like many years the youth will end up doing uh, Halloween costumes and almost it feels like fairly often someone dresses up as me, which usually involves having a beard and glasses and a flannel shirt and a cup of coffee with them, sort of as my accessory. I love coffee. But you know what? A few years ago, I began to recognize and realize that when I drank like a pot of coffee a day, when I would drink lots of coffee at night, it was wild. At night, my heart would feel like it's racing, and I felt anxious because the choices that I had made about my body had affected my mind as well. And that's just a small little example. But the mind, right? The mind is such an important gift. The mind, in many ways, is the gateway to the heart. And here's the thing. How you think and what you think about will determine who you become and what you do. How you think and what you think about will determine who you are, who you become, and what you do. There is this reality that like, we can't compartmentalize the music that we listen to, the movies that we watch, the, 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 the TikTok and Instagram reels and things that we follow. Like, we can't compartmentalize and say, like, well, that's just like a thing that I do. That's not the same as kind of who I am. And there is this reality that, that it's kind of true. Like, those things eventually will bleed into 
who you are. They will affect you whether you believe it or not. And again, in the world that we live in today, it is probably harder than ever uh, to actually have like a clear and focused mind, right? Because we live in a digital world where we can constantly have our attention taken away to whatever we want. And you think about it, right? The, the, the world that we live in, there's like algorithms that, 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 that feed into over and over the type of things that we want, or at least they think that we want. There's a reason, right? If you have things like Spotify, they will create playlists with suggestions of what they think you want. If you have Netflix, they will continue to curate the things that you want. If you're on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, there's a thing that they will pick up the things that you tend to be most captivated by or the things that they believe your demographic will be most captivated by. And here's the thing. It is a strategy. It's not something that's just sort of like small and like, oh, they're just like, they're trying to do it for fun. Um, I read this quote a few years back from a guy named Sean Parker, who was the founder of Napster. Anyone remember Napster? Anyone steal stuff from Napster? You're not going to get in trouble. Amnesty, I think. Um, it was a file sharing program many years ago, and then he was kind of on the forefront uh, with, with some of the people of Facebook and things like that. And he's actually now a conscientious objector to social media because he has seen that there's kind of negative effects to it. And this is what he said uh, when talking about um, some of these different things. Also, if you've ever seen the movie uh, called The, the Social, Nest, uh, Social Network, uh, Justin Timberlake played him. So anyways, this is what he said. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And what means that we need, uh, need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. And that's what's going on to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because we're exploiting a vulnerability in the human psychology. Now, it makes sense, right? The, the, the idea behind it, because if we think about marketing these days, right, like marketing ultimately goes towards uh, the, the, this idea of like how can we get your attention, your focus, your things like that. But like so much of the technologies and the entertainment industry, which is wild to think about. There's part of me that sometimes it would be so interesting to bring like an ancient person here because there, there was entertainment and arts and things like that. But, but it is wild how much we have constantly at our fingertips to watch and consume over and over again. But as he, as he mentions, the idea behind so much of the world that we live in today is how do we continue to make sure that we're at the forefront of your minds. And here's the thing. Pretty much all of these things are not things that are necessarily all bad. Pretty much none of them are things that are trying to make us better, especially if we're trying to follow Jesus. Because essentially what they're usually going to do is they're going to sell us on why we need a certain product, why we need to look a certain way, why we need to vote a certain way. There's this reality that we, we, we find ourselves oftentimes, too, in these echo chambers, that it's no surprise that, that typically you tell me the news source that you watch, and I can probably tell you a bit about who you are. 
you tell me the TV shows that you enjoy, and I probably have a pretty good idea of, of some of your thoughts and opinions. Because here's the thing, what we allow our mind to consume will inevitably consume us. Like what we watch, what we engage in, the things that we allow our mind to spend a lot of times with, whether we believe it or not, will eventually change our minds and our hearts. The Apostle Paul knew this many years ago. He said this to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is back to this body idea, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. You see, one of the problems I see um, for most adults, what I see for kids uh, growing up is the reality is that they have very little input in the way of Jesus. And what I mean by that is if, if you were to look at the screen time of your life, for lack of better terms, most of us, if we're doing even kind of good, we're spending maybe 5% of our time engaging in time with Jesus or time for others serving him. We're spending a lot of time watching mindless TV, scrolling on our phones, watching political talking heads who make us mad at half the country. And so it's no wonder that our reflection of who we are and our values and our actions and our attitudes don't look that much like Jesus because to be honest, we are not inputting Jesus into our life very much. And so one of the things that I would urge us to consider to do is, is to do a little bit of an assessment of what are the things that I'm allowing to feed into my mind. You know, oftentimes when I find myself the most off or anxious or things like that, I oftentimes begin to look back and say, ooh, I'm, a, I'm putting things into my mind. And some of them might not even be bad, but are not good. They're not eternal they're not making me more like Jesus. And oftentimes I begin to realize, ooh, I've been kind of cutting my time with Jesus short here. And maybe we need to look at these inputs. In Philippians chapter 4, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. This is such a good word because we live in a culture, right, where like what sells? Chaos, death destruction, controversy. Let's be real. We love to see a huge controversy. We love to see things kind of explode. There's a reason why there's a huge genre that people love called drama, right? We say we don't want drama, but goodness gracious, does it sell? What if we were to like actually think about the good things and focus on those things? I, I oftentimes think like our mindset, the things that we are thinking and dwelling on oftentimes will then in, uh, inform our outlook on life. I had a, um, a teacher who, who, who said something to me when I was in 10th grade to our class that always stuck with me. He, he talked about how there are two people in this world. Um, there are um, rose sniffers and turd sniffers. He said, uh, there are people in life who walk through a, um, a, a, a field of flowers, of, of roses, and, and they, they see the roses, and they smell them, and they say, this is incredible. He said, then there are the people who, in this vast thing, 
noticed that there had been one dog turd that was left there. And that informs their whole outlook of everything. And I think this is totally true. Oftentimes, if, if we allow ourselves, our mind, our thoughts to be fixated on negativity, guess what we're going to find in our life? Tons of negativity of how terrible life is, how terrible the world is. If we focus on the good, if we, if we are constantly looking for where Jesus is at, where he's moving, do you know what's pretty incredible? We start to notice some pretty incredible things he's doing all the time. Colossians says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The last focus of our consumption, we're going to talk more about next week, but is this idea of money. And, and money is an interesting thing because we live in a, a, a world where, again, our attention is, is sort of a commodity. Uh, I read a study that said the average person sees around 10,000 ads per day, which is wild. And it's wild, right, because of, of the way that technology works, right? You can Google search one thing, and then you start seeing the ads for it. Or let's be honest, anyone else had the creepy thing where you're like, I never searched for that. They're listening in on us right now. Which is why every once in a while I say stuff like free money. Um, just hoping that it will come through. <laughs> Hasn't worked yet. Other than like a Nigerian prince who sent me an email. But still waiting back on that one. But like how we spend our money is actually a really important thing. In the world that we live in, by the way, is not set up for us to excel in wellness in our finances. Now, that's a big statement dealing with a lot of things, but, but in many ways, we are constantly invited to make poor financial decisions. There are literally industries, right, that are created to try to exploit people uh, to make them make poor financial choices that in the long run will not help them out. There are predatory loan groups and all sorts of different things that are not good. It's wild. I was reading, um, reading in, in the last uh, few weeks about this idea. Americans owe uh, $986 billion on credit card debt. This is surpassing the pre-pandemic high of $927 billion. This is obviously just a few years ago. And he says that we owe $11.92 trillion on mortgages and $1.55 trillion on vehicle loans and $1.6 trillion for student loans. Now, that's a larger conversation we may tackle a little bit uh, later. There are some realities of, of debts in our lives that are, that are real, right, that, that maybe are, for lack of better terms, just are going to be. But there are a lot of things that we enter into, um, sometimes uh, on our own, out of desperation, sometimes out of a, a one choice, sometimes out of small choices that got us there. Uh, but there are things that oftentimes put us in a place where we are forever trying to catch up. We are stressed and frustrated, and it is not a good place to be. This quote from John Mark Comer really resonated with me when he said this, our consumer economy is now built around people spending money they don't have on things they don't need. You know, sometimes when my wife and I sit down and we look at our uh, bank statements and things like that, uh, we, we start to recognize little places that add up quickly where for whatever reason we let our desires or conveniences or things like that get us off track of a plan that we had created that puts us in a weird, bad place. You know, oftentimes we talk about this idea of retail therapy, right? Because there is sort of this, this weird dopamine hit, right? I've been there before. Sometimes I'm sad and I'm like, man, 
let's buy something. There's a real feeling to that. But oftentimes the, the issue is that retail therapy is a costly thing. It gives us momentary satisfaction, but when we have to go to pay for it later, oftentimes we sit back and say, was it worth it? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves many griefs. We get this, right? Our world has taught us to try to achieve and achieve and achieve. And oftentimes, it's every kind of level that we continue to grow in maybe financial things. What's wild, right, is, is oftentimes the more money that we make, the more we think about what can I buy with it. I meet very few people who, who think about as I, as I earn more, how much could I give away? I meet very few people who say, ooh, my, my wealth has changed. Let me keep my cost of living the same, my lifestyle the same. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with things, there's nothing wrong with making money, all of those things, right? But our world constantly tells us over and over, begins to blur the lines between what are needs and what are wants. What is wise and what is extravagant? And at the end of the day, as we're going to talk about next week, our, our, our wealth, our money, our possessions, our time, all of these things are things that we've been given by God. They're a gift. They are His. They are not ours. And in the same way that I get my, my screen time every week, the truth is there is going to be a time in our life where we are going to stand before Jesus. And I don't know that it for sure is going to mean we ain't getting in the kingdom, but where I think he's going to look at us and say, you spent all this on this? Because oftentimes I think about we are tricked, we are enticed into getting the latest and the greatest, the best, the, 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 the things that will make us feel good and look good and all those things. And not all of those things are wrong. But I oftentimes wonder if Jesus looks down and is like, really? Like there are all of these needs in our world. There are all these things going on. And there's no wonder that oftentimes you meet people who are incredibly wealthy and are incredibly unhappy. Because it's like they get to a mountaintop, they get all, all the way up there and they realize, I'm kind of by myself and this isn't exactly what I thought it would feel like. We're going to talk more about that next week. Jesus says these words, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other or they'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or, or oftentimes translations would use the word instead of money, mammon, which is kind of this concept of wealth and money. We'll dive into that a little bit more next week. But I'll just tell you this to kind of whet the appetite for next week. Um, if you don't let Jesus master your money, it will master you. If you don't surrender that aspect of your life to Jesus, the truth is eventually it will master you. You will be a slave to it. And honestly, it is a terrible 
master. Because it'll be something that you never feel like you have enough of. It'll be something that can't give you exactly what you, your soul longs for, long for and desires. All right, as I, as I wrap things up, I, I, I want to give you guys just a few um, final parting thoughts to think about what do we do with this? How do, how do we deal with these um, realities? How do we become better consumers? How do we make sure that we are stewarding our lives well? The first thing is this. I would say make plans that will push you towards who Jesus has called you to be. Like I would actually say take some time and actually think about the things that you are doing in your life, the activities you are engaging in, the things that you are watching, the relationships that you are investing in, the way that you are spending your money. Like have a plan for your life. Because as the old adage says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Here's the second thing. Find people who can encourage you and hold you accountable. So much of our life we try to do on our own, and there is this reality that we must find people who will be willing to love us enough to say, hey, you told me this is who you want to be, and this is where I see you heading. And we need help with that. And here's the last thing. Ask God to help you, uh, help you with self-control. We need help with our self-control. It is something that we need. It is something that's a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. But if we don't do this, there's a warning in the book of Proverbs that says this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Friends, if you desire to experience less of the chaos in your life, to experience more of the peace and the wholeness, you need to plan well, you need to get help to do it. But most importantly, you need to surrender to Jesus and ask his spirit to work in and through you to daily make the right choices. Because every single day, you're going to have thousands of opportunities to make the right choice or the wrong choice. And here's the thing from my experience. When I'm trying to do it on my own, I'm going to fail almost every time. But when I seek the spirit to give me that power, things tend to go really well. Would you guys stand with me as we're going to pray and we're going to sing one last song? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly grateful for the fact that we don't um, tackle uh, this journey of life alone. Um, we're so grateful for the fact that, uh, Father, you are kind in giving us choices, but we also recognize how much... Um, how much pressure, how much there, there, there is involved in that to, to make sure that we make good choices with our bodies, our minds, and our monies. So, Father, I pray that you would um, help us to have the courage to surrender to you. Uh, Father, that you would be truly um, the king of our life, that you would help uh, inform what we think about, what we do with our bodies, how we spend our money. That, Father, you would give us self-control, that you would allow us um, to, 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 to make plans that are built upon the wisdom of your teaching, of your scripture. Father, we ask uh, that you help bring around us godly people in our lives who will love us enough to say, hey, I think you need to change up things here. Father, this morning as we sing this last song, would you help us become more like your son, Jesus? Would you speak